1: Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. I'm joined by my co-host Nick Colato. And our march to the draft continues with yet another podcast. This one is one of my favorites to do, along with the players to avoid earlier this week, which I had a lot of fun with. This one is Sleepers. Sleepers for the Giants to target now how am I qualifying a sleeper? How are Nick and I qualifying sleepers? Well, we're qualifying it as players who for sure won't be available until, I'm sorry, will be available on day three and won't come off the board until day three. That's a lock, but we're also going a little bit deeper. We're talking about guys who are probably more in that fifth round range. We would take them in the fourth round range because we like them a lot, but they're guys who potentially the Giants can take beyond the fourth round. Guys like Brian Connolly, who they landed last year, Darius Slayton, who they landed last year. So we're going to dive into all those today and we'll start it off here. We'll kick it right into action here um, with a guy. And again, this will be in no order, by the way. This is not like the last podcast when we talked about targets for 36 overall. This is just going to be a bunch of guys in no order because that's kind of what day three turns into. It's your targets. Um, and it's less so, you know, based on, I mean, it, for the Giants, it'll be based on their big board, but the guys that you don't expect sometimes. So I'm going to start with a guy who hasn't been talked about at all a lot. The guy I really like, and that's Joe Bocce, the linebacker out of Michigan State. I have not seen Bocce mentioned with the likes of Akeem Davis, Gaither, or, you know, some other of the linebackers who people like a lot. And maybe he doesn't seem like the most athletic type, but he tested out in the 93rd percentile in the 10-yard split, which is the testing the Giants have used recently to, to kind of diagnose and find these inside backers. What I like the most about him is that he was highly productive, and yet the athleticism doesn't seem to fully not be there. I mean, if you look at it, he was also in the 90th percentile on the three-cone drill, which shows agility. So he's got burst to the snap, agility, former basketball player, by the way who had four or more combined pass breakups and interceptions in each year for Michigan State on that defense from 2017 through 2019. He, to me, is a total sleeper because he hasn't been talked about a bunch. will be there on day three, and I freaking love Joe Bocce as a potential steal for the Giants.
2: He's a physical linebacker, man. I mean, he comes in and he hits people hard, drives through his tackles. He was suspended, I believe, I'm not sure which year it was, but I want to say it was PED, so he has that on his record. But you can tell how cerebral he is when playing a linebacker position, coming downhill, keying and diagnosing blocks, attacking gaps with good timing and maintaining gap discipline. He's stout at the point of attack and keep his chest clean. The athletic questions were something that he kind of shushed, I would say, at the combine. But on tape, I didn't see somebody who was overly athletic, but he wasn't a liability either. So that's the kind of linebacker you're getting. And that's why he's being talked about on day three. But I do love this call, man. I think he could be a solid player at the next level, has enough athletic ability, and he's a smart physical player as well. So somebody's going to get a good player on day three.
1: Right. And remember, with these day three guys, these sleepers, we're not talking about anybody who's complete. If they were complete, they would not be around in this pick. So keep that in mind as we move through.
2: I went in basically just like offensive order, so that's what it's going to be like for me. First guy I want to go over is somebody I've talked about on this podcast, and he's going to be around on day three, and that's Keith Ishmael, the center from San Diego State. And he just has a lot of versatility that I like because I hope the Giants get a center maybe before this in the draft. As the Giants fans were hoping that Cesar Ruiz or somebody like that, they might get him, but that might not happen. But if they were to get him and double down and draft another center, Ishmael has experience playing guard as well. So he was first team all Mountain West, uh, this past season, playing 13 games, has m- played multiple positions on that offensive line, which you will love to see. He's quick, he's athletic, solid movement skills, good hips, a good punch as well. Played in the gap power system, might be a uh, might be more suited for zone at the um, NFL level. But I'm that, I do not look at him and say, oh, well, that means the Giants won't get him because the Giants are still going to run a ton of zone concepts. They they got. The Giants got thrashed by the Cowboys this season in um, one of it was week nine by the outside zone. And I feel like Keith Ishmael could thrive in that kind of um, setting because of his hips and his mobility. And he's not like a liability when it comes to getting pushed at the point of attack. But that's not necessarily what his game is. I just think he's a versatile player that can come in and earn a roster spot late in the draft and potentially start one day. And you could have him at center or guard. And I think that's a very valuable person to bring into your locker room and bring onto your team, especially someone who was a team uh, a leader for San Diego State. So I really like him late in the
1: draft. I mean, he's definitely someone we've talked about a lot, Nick. Uh, Ishmael's definitely a guy that on our short list for these day three players that we like to target. I'm going to go with another linebacker for – a sleeper. He might not be as much of a sleeper as I originally thought. So this might be an early day three uh, pick or maybe somebody at 99, but it's Jordan Brooks, the linebacker from Texas tech. I think he's been unfairly billed as this run first old school only linebacker. But like when you look at the testing, man, 98th percentile 10 yard split. I keep coming back to the 10 yard split by the way, because again, that's kind of how the giants located Ryan Connolly. It's kind of where they're moving on the defensive side of the ball. With Betcher and now with Graham. It's a similar type of idea style there. But also, he had a 45440 at 240 pounds, which is insane. He is obviously. A run first linebacker. People have a lot of concerns about his coverage moving forward, but he's also somebody who started every single game since his freshman year, and I think that's something the Giants will value. I think there's untapped potential there. I think I would not totally rule him out as somebody who can improve uh, and who has the, or I should say, who has enough athleticism to win at the next level. So he's somebody who I also have on my list as a potential sleeper for the Giants.
2: I agree with you, too. I think he does have enough athleticism to compete in the NFL. I don't think that's a liability at all. But, uh, yeah, my next guy, running back, I've talked about him, I believe, in oh, the yeah. last podcast, and that's J.J. Taylor out of Arizona. Now, in 2018, he was used almost as like a bell cow back, and the reason why I'm bringing that up is because he's about 5'5". 185 pounds so he's very very small gets compared to tariq cohen but he went to the combine and he ran a 461 so a lot of people have cooled off on him but if you watch his tape he has those really quick change of direction skills someone who can make you miss in space and somebody who can really run right through you he is low to the ground has that low center of gravity and he's very physical he doesn't shy away from contact despite his diminutive size so i really liked everything i saw Uh, From him, I watched a couple games of him. Then you see his highlight reel and his highlight reels are his highs. But I do feel like he has solid vision and he could be used as a sub package player on offense that can you can put and split out in the slot. You could bring him back, have split back with Daniel Jones and him and Saquon Barkley could be used to mismatch against linebackers at the NFL level. And I think he's going to be around later because he is very small, and because he did not test well whatsoever at the combine. But he's a physical player for someone of his size, and people are going to be looking to replicate. The Bears haven't had success, but it's not because of Tariq Cohen. But they're going to be they're going to be looking to replicate uh, that type of running back in the later round. So I, I like JJ Taylor and his prospects, and I mean. He uh, In 2018, he had over 1,400 yards, which 5.6 yards per carry. Last year, he had over 700 on significantly less touches, but only 4.9 yards per carry and 11 touchdowns combined uh, for both of those years combined. So I I, I support this pick, especially if he's around in the seventh round with one of the Giants' many picks. Yeah, I mean, listen,
1: that's where you want to go with that type of pick in the seventh round. And I think that unfortunate 40-yard dash time frame is going to all but certainly— when also factoring in the fact that he's a running back is all going to certainly knock him down past round five into round six or seven. And I think that makes him an absolute steal. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The most overrated metric in all of NFL is 40 time for a running back. I mean, how many times are they running 40 yards or more? It's so much more important to see what they're able to do in that zero to 20 yard range, both from a force miss tackle standpoint, a yards after first contact standpoint, and vision, and burst, and there's just so much more to what that position entails than the 40-yard dash. Um, Sure, did it help Chris Johnson become an elite player for a few years? Of course it did. It helps if you have it. We love to see Saquon Barkley show off his 4-4 speed, but it's not a necessity for me. And while I do have a potential running back fit as one of my guys, I'm going to actually pivot here to a late-round offensive lineman that I really just kind of stuck onto and really enjoyed uh you know I enjoyed probably not the right word but somebody who I really want the Giants to take and has moved up my target list and we actually mentioned him in the last pod and that's Calvin Throckmorton out of Oregon this is a guy who for four seasons played on that Oregon offensive line at multiple positions he played every single position I think except for I think it was right guard I think he played left guard left tackle right tackle and center for me what I like most about him is that He's a former basketball player, and you could see it with his footwork and his agility and his balance as a, as an offensive lineman, which is so important to me. And really, 6'5", 317 pounds is what he is. I think his best days are ahead of him at center. I mean, he played mostly right tackle and center, in his collegiate career. But I think center is really where it's at. And I'm just looking for one of these guys that they can convert to center uh, from a different offensive line position. And according to pro football focus, he never allowed more than 18 pressures in one season despite playing all these different positions. Sure, he's 24 years old. That's a little concerning for me. But if I'm talking about fifth round, sixth round picks and somebody who I want upside with, I'm thinking there's upside with a guy who might have his best days ahead of him at the pivot at center. And especially a guy like him who fits what I want at that position. Uh, He's a guy, I know the athletic testing was really bad at the combine. I understand that. But I think more so than anything else, that just shows that he can't really play anything but center at the NFL level. But that's fine with me because all I want him at is center. So he's a guy that's jumped onto my list late in the process.
2: And by all regards, he's a very uh, cerebral player, really understands the game, and that's what a lot of offensive coaches look for in the center position. Somebody who can ID the blitz, can identify the mic, can locate where uh, stunts, twists are going to go, and kind of be the the voice for the offensive line while the quarterback kind of worries about the coverage and everything else that's going on. So that's really good for a young quarterback, but... Again, I, I don't think he could play a uh, tackle. Like you said, I think he's going to be relegated to the center position, but he has that in his arsenal. So for a late-round pick, I can't knock that whatsoever. And uh, for a wide receiver, I have two wide receivers on my list, but the first one Jordan Reed brought up on this podcast. So I mm-hmm. went and I watched a little bit of film on this player, and I really liked what I saw, and that's Isaiah Hodgins. Wide receiver from Oregon State. And he's a big body. So that's something that the Giants kind of need. They don't have a wide receiver that's over six foot one. And Hodgins, six foot four, 210 pounds, has a pretty solid catch radius of 33 and 18 inch arm length, almost 10 inch hands, which is something that's really good for the wide receiver position. And his explosive drills were all slightly above average, but nothing spectacular. And that kind of goes along with his game because Hodgins isn't somebody who is this excellent athlete at the receiver position he more relies on his route running ability and kind of the little nuance to creating separation than just quickness and things along those lines and i'm not saying he's a stiff whatsoever either hodgins ran a four six one that's not great but he's a very good route runner he's polished he understands how to get open and this past year in 2019 he had over 1,100 yards receiving and 13 touchdowns. And he's just somebody you could throw the ball up. He's pretty solid in 50-50 uh, situations, contested catch situations. And he can catch through traffic, has good concentration with in, um, in those kind of situations. So I think Hodgins is uh, somebody who's probably going to be around later, even though he's bigger. But I think that lack of elite athletic ability is probably going to push him down in a loaded wide receiver class. And he could be some of the Giants could bring in and groom and uh, try to really use in those uh, red zone short yardage situations.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's just so much value. Hodgins is another guy I love, Nick. I obviously wasn't big on him before I listened, before we had Jordan Reed on the podcast. He kind of put me on to him, and then I started watching him, and it's like, what the hell? This is a guy who's going to be there in the fifth round at wide receiver? Like, how many unbelievable values are going to be at this position in this draft? Fourth round, fifth round, sixth round. You're going to find somebody at their wide receiver position who's probably going to be higher on the Giants board than any other position. They'll probably choose to only take one of them. Obviously, they drafted Darius Slate, and they still have Shepard. Um, they've re-signed Coleman, and they have Tate. Maybe they take two, though. I mean, I wouldn't kill them if they take two receivers on day three and, and hope one hits or both hit because there's just so much talent there now. I don't want them to take one on day one or two, almost no matter what. But on day three, there's so there's so many guys, and I'm going to go with another guy here, Nick, at that same position. But before we do that, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors.
2: With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might be thinking there's nothing to bet on. Well, You'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino, to poker, and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Are you missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot dog eating contest all open 24 hours a day and all online use the promo code blue wire that is blue wire all one word to join today and receive your new welcome bonus bet online your online wagering solution and uh it's
1: going to be my boy Quintes Seefes out of Wisconsin. So here's the deal with Seefes for those of you who don't know about him. Number 87. He ran an unbelievably bad 40 time at the combine. That kind of dropped him out of the entire conversation earlier. There were some people starting to move him up as their favorite day 2 pick, somebody they thought would be the biggest steal in rounds 2 or 3. Then he runs a bad 40, obviously made up for a little his 40 time uh I'm sorry, his pro day uh which they had before coronavirus, but Again, runs a bad 40, kind of falls into this day three hodgepodge of receivers. Now, I don't think he's ever going to be a burner at the NFL level, but I think he could start day one. Day one, week one at the NFL level. There's some guys you just know, man, and... With Cephas, he had an unreal 2017 season, was suspended for all of 2018 for a sexual assault case that turned out to be he was completely in the right and was completely false accusation. So no off-field concerns there. Everyone actually says he's an unbelievable locker room guy, which I think could attract the Giants to him. And then in 2019, he comes back and has to play a full season with Jack Cohn as his quarterback. Now, for those of you who don't follow the Badgers... Jack Cohn is a terrible quarterback. I don't care what the numbers say. I know he had a solid completion rate throwing five to six-yard passes over and over again in a play-action-heavy offense that doesn't ask him to do anything and gives him the best possible scenario with an unreal O-line and a run-run-run-heavy approach that gives you unreal spots in the play-action-passing game. But listen, this is a guy who couldn't hit an out Past 10 yards. And this is a guy who was unbelievably inaccurate down the field and made terrible decisions. And Seafest made the most of it on 91 targets. He had 59 receptions at no fault with 901 yards and seven touchdowns, by the way, at no fault to himself. I mean, this is a guy who's only caught 59 of 91 targets because his quarterback play was so awful. The ball placement was just atrocious with Jack Cohn. And yet, he only dropped six passes his entire career with Wisconsin, 135 targets, six passes. He has unbelievable hands. He has, he has in my mind, C.D. Lamb-like body control down the field. I don't want to say C.D. Lamb. A little bit lower than that, but damn close. And his ability to separate in the short and intermediate game is freaking awesome, man. Like, you watch this guy, and he still jumped well, 38. And I think this goes into why he's kind of able to win in that short intermediate range. 86 percentile vert jump. 75th percentile uh, broad jump, and 96th percentile bench press reps. He had the most bench reps. He's a strong player who will beat press coverage. Quintus Cephas, to me, is going to end up being the biggest steal in this draft. I'm marking it down. I'm saying it. I think he's an auto starter you can get in round five. I can't say that about any other position, any other draft class, almost ever. He's my favorite guy for the Giants. I get it. He's a badger, so you can bash me for that one, Nick. <laughs> Go ahead. Dive into how biased this opinion is.
2: Dude, you're totally a, a Badger homer, but I can't really knock it because I think it was Jeffrey Okuda and then it was another Big Ten corner that came out and said their hardest cover was Quintez Cephas. So it seems like his contemporaries have a Jeffrey lot of respect. Okuda said
1: that, by the way. The best yeah, in his class.
2: Yeah, Okuda. And I want to say there was another one, too. That, there was uh, another
1: guy who said he was the hardest the Big- receiver to cover.
2: So I think there's a lot that you could take away from that not to mention he I, you always got to look at the context that surrounds a prospect and he was in a bad uh playing with the bad quarterback and that's obviously going to affect all the numbers and everything like that so you got to really um look at the other kind of uh, variables when it surrounds him but one player at the same position wide receiver who I love and I feel like whose name is really starting to come up around yes. now But uh, I love this guy down at the Senior Bowl, and that's James Prochet, wide receiver out of SMU. Oh, yeah. I mean, the dude. The dude literally catches like anything thrown in his direction. I mean, he's got great body control, body adjustment, amazing ball skills. And in 2018, he had 93 catches just under 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. And then last year, he had 111 catches just over 1,200 yards with 15 touchdowns. And he's not an overly big guy. He's 5'11", 201 pounds, and has a sub-30-inch arm length. That's not ideal. Sub-10-inch hands, not ideal. But the guy's concentration and ability to catch is it's its really, I, if you haven't seen Prochet play, I implore you to watch a game yeah. or even find some highlights and just witness how crazy this dude is finding the football in the air and just plucking it out of the air with strong hands still and bringing it into his frame. I mean, his ability to catch in high traffic areas, it's absolutely it's unreal.
1: Like, would you say, really say this, is, Nick? I... Like, based on that, based on saying that, which we both have seen now, we both kind of feel that way. And based on the fact that NFL talent evaluators really like to pinpoint guys who do one thing really well, like he does. Can you see him as a potentially a guy that actually doesn't even end up on date and just like that surprise day two pick at receiver? Uh,
2: just because the receiver class is so deep, I I don't I okay. think, but I think people like a lot of teams are like yo, James. They have his name circle. because like one thing about the NFL and NFL teams, not everybody, not every player is on every team's draft board. Some right. teams like there'll be what. Uh, say 600, 700, 800 like draft eligible people, just throwing numbers out there. Some teams may only have like 220 people on their draft board. So like it's, that's, those are the people they want to bring in. And I guarantee Prochet if his, if his, um, if his, If they, you know, I'm not sure how he is as a kid. I never heard anything bad about him, but I'm sure if all that checks out, teams are going to be looking to add him for to be that like Hunter Renfro type of role, that slot, that consistent player who's going to be available on the third down in the middle of the field from the short to intermediate range because he's just always going to catch really tough balls in traffic. And I don't know what's going on with SMU, bro. That's slowly becoming like Mm. wide receiver U. Yeah, you got Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley was there, Cortland Sutton, obviously. It's uh, Aldrick Robinson went there, who was the uh, the goat of like preseason fantasy. I'm sure you played preseason fantasy on DraftKings. Oh, Aldrick Robinson was like the goat there. But yeah, now Pro uh, the, he didn't run at the combine. He didn't do his 40 at the combine. His three cone wasn't great. It was a seven twenty-seven, which is the eighth percentile. And the shuttle 20 yard shuttle was a four, four, which is 14th percentile. So it's not exactly the best thing when it comes to those things, but you just watch his film and you see his hands, you see his ability to adjust to the ball and you'll be like, okay, that's uh, that's a player right there.
1: Yeah. I'll keep it locked and loaded on, you know, skill positions here with one, another sleeper for me, Antonio Gibson. Um, for me, this guy's got it all. I, I. This is a guy, by the way, Nick. Okay, we said it about Proche, and by the way, we don't really even fully know what Antonio Gibson is. Is he a running back? Is he a receiver? Good NFL teams, good NFL coaches will figure out how to use him in both ways. Honestly, but to me, he's actually a guy who I could see going a lot higher than um then than then projected right now he's projected as a for sure day three pick I can see him being a day two pick when you are six foot three 228 pounds and you run what did he run a four three nine I believe he ran yeah four three nine at six foot three 228 with a with a solid 35 inch vert and more importantly he didn't test in the three cone of the short shuttle, but when you watch him on tape, he is so elusive. He has so much agility. This is what I like about him the most, his ability to force missed tackles and then create yardage after content. He, to me, is Darius Slayton juiced up, and not in the sense that he's a similar player to Slayton. They're very different, obviously, route runners and, and technical players, and that's him, but just in the sense that. Underutilized in college and unbelievable upside with athleticism. Boom! Those are the guys I won on day three at the skill positions. Those are the guys I'm always betting on at day three at the skill position. Um, here's the actual numbers. He broke 16 tackles, Nick, on 33 rushing attempts last year. 16 on 33 and broke 17 tackles on 38 catches. That's freaking insane, dude. 33 force missed tackles on what? 71 total touches. Are you? kidding me like it's probably not sustainable with a larger sample size but i'm willing to bet on that nine and ten out of a hundred out of a hundred times on day three in the nfl draft my god i would love the giants get antonio gibson out of memphis go ahead why because i want to make sure we by the way name every school these guys are from so people can go back who listen to our podcast, watch them, research them. That's what we want out of every show. Go back, watch watch some Antonio Gibson at Memphis and tell me you don't want him on the New York Football Giants.
2: Yeah, and Gibson was somebody who was uh, not, uh, he doesn't have the production because he played uh, for Memphis and they utilized him in a lot of ways this past season. But last year they had Tony Pollard and I want to say they had another running back who might have been drafted. So they kind of had a lot of, Running backs and, and uh, skill position players coming out of that Memphis program, but my next guy is a defensive player, and that's Derek Tuska from North Dakota State. He is an edge prospect, and I really got turned on to him once I watched the uh, combine. and He went out there, he ran the lightning fast three cone at six eight seven, which was ninety seventh percentile, yep. and he jumped. Uh, I want to say it was ten foot on the. Dot. Yeah, 120 inches. That's 87 percentile when it comes to the broad jump. And I didn't really get around to his film until a little bit more recently because I saw him with short arms. But then I saw a couple highlights pop up on the timeline. So I was like, let me dive into his film. And his film checks out. Now, there's some times where I, I don't see enough from him. And maybe he ran. A, I, I don't think there's it's a competitive toughness thing. But I just think teams might have been scheming away from him a lot. But from the one game that I did watch, I still saw that first step explosiveness and that ability to kind of bend around contact but his big knock is he has sub 32 inch arms which is something when it comes to edge rushers that gets you pushed down to day three but he's a really good athlete he's kind of relentless with his nature when it comes to backside pursuit when it comes to trying to defeat blocks now he doesn't always do that but i just think he's going to be one of those players that you're going to get on day three and he's just going to try his ass off for you and that's a, someone good to have in your locker room because it's gonna really uh build some sort of competitive nature. And I don't know if the Giants have had that where these guys like these, right. these kind of guys who have had things stacked against them because of either athletic limitations or physical limitations, in this case, arm length, the guy's six foot four, two hundred and fifty one pounds. I that guy's never gonna stop trying and it seems like that's what yeah. checks out on his tape. And it seems like that's what really um He's all about. I mean, the guy had 19 tackles for a loss in North Dakota State, 15 sacks, and 48 tackles in 2019. That's just 2019 alone. That's a really legit program. I know it's FCS, but I mean, that's Carson Wentz went. North Dakota yeah. State is one of the better programs in that uh, realm of football. So I think this could definitely be a player on day three the Giants should be targeting, despite the fact that his arms are in the three percentile.
1: Yeah, I like the call. I mean, last year there was a guy kind of like him, Sutton Smith. Um and in Northern Illinois one of the Giants to target. I don't know if he's called on just yet in the NFL. He was a rookie last year. These guys are massive developmental prospects, especially anyone. Anyone's a developmental prospect taken on day three. Don't expect the Giants to find another like Connolly Slayton type every draft. I mean, God bless, if they can do that, I'll I'll let Dave and keep the job, even though he has no clue about positional importance and things like that, positional value. But again, these are developmental guys, so keep that in mind. But having said that he's definitely a player who's caught my attention throughout this draft process as someone who could just be an absolute stud steal. Another guy I'm going to bring up here, Nick, is I have a lot of these kind of linebackers who catch my attention. Now, this is a guy who doesn't totally fit the sleeper's pod because I think he's more likely to be an end-of-day-two pick, maybe somebody at 99 who the Giants can take, but I wanted to include him anyway because we haven't talked about him a lot, and that's Oregon linebacker Troy Dye. And this is a guy who, if you're looking for to fit a niche of what the Giants need to improve on, pass coverage at the linebacker position, someone to run the seam with a tight end, someone to run the seam with a big slot. Troy Dye is the guy. He's six foot four with really long arms. And oftentimes that dissuades a quarterback from throwing in his direction. He's 224 pounds, six foot four, super long, super good in coverage, awesome athlete for the Oregon Ducks played a ton of snaps and makes sideline to sideline plays too. According to pro football focus, he played over 700 snaps in his four seasons with Oregon and had over 386 tackles in that span. So it's not like a guy, he's obviously a bit of a liability against a run, but it's not like a guy who's completely a a negative there. So this is just the type of guy you should definitely take. They're so rare at the linebacker position. If you can get a guy with length, to dissuade a quarterback from throwing those passes in those zones and with the and with this athleticism to make plays on the ball occasionally and break up a pass or intercept a pass, you gotta get these guys because there's not that many of them.
2: And the Giants certainly need one. Giants most certainly need one. And that's one of the many appeals to someone like Isaiah Simmons. But if the Giants don't go that direction, which it doesn't seem like they might, then let's not totally rule it out then I think Troy Dye is somebody definitely that could be interesting, especially he's available at 99, and I know that's not uh, the third day, but he could definitely be someone who's selected from that like 60 to 70, 80 range, somewhere in there. He's definitely talented enough, and like you said, all his physical attributes are uh, check all the boxes the NFL is looking for. So my next player is an edge sort of similar to Derek Tuska, just in the sense that he kind of has alligator arms, and that's a three percentile. 31 and one-fourth inch Kenny Willickis, uh, and he's from Michigan State, edge player, six foot three, 264 pounds. So he's a little bit bigger, but I think he could be a really good third down specialist in this defense. He's a player where he went down to the senior bowl, and I saw him blow up. I think it was Bryson Hopkins, the tight end from Purdue, in yes. a backside pursuit play that literally made every single Like scout and evaluators go, oh, like Lad People Stadium just like erupted when he did this. This kid is really, really explosive out of his stance, and he lines up. I've talked about him. If you want to go back and listen to Senior Bowl pods, I talked about him. He lines up with his with his butt really high in the air, his chest totally reduced, and his inside arm kind of clubbed right in front of his face with his face really kind of close to the ground. It's a really unique stance that Kenny Willekes has, and he shoots out of his stance really quickly, and it's very hard for bigger tackles, which a lot of tackles are, to gain his chest despite their length and despite his lack of length because he does a really good job reducing the surface area of his chest Going up that arc, he has explosiveness. He has pretty good lateral mobility and ability to kind of plant his foot and explode back inside for a quick counter move. So I think he's going to be somebody who, just like Tuska, come into a locker room and just compete, 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 and kind of bring the energy of the team up, and he's never going to stop working for you because he's a relentless competitor and somebody who could possibly be a third down pass rusher for a team in the beginning and maybe develop into something more, but his biggest knocks... He's not the best athlete. That's what people knock him for, despite the fact that he 84th percentile in the broad jump. But that length, people are not going to like that length, people in, as in the NFL. So right. that's something that he's going to have to overcome, but that's why he's available on day three as well. But he went to the senior bowl and opened up a lot of eyes, and I really like him. I think he's going to be a um, solid rotational player. No doubt. I'm going to ne- dive into
1: the defensive back position, Nick, with my next one. And I'm going to go with a player who... I've watched a little bit of, not that much, and he has flashed, but obviously he's super raw. But I just, when I'm looking at players again, on day three of the draft, what I'm betting on, Nick, is somebody who hasn't, so underutilized or utilized in the wrong way is something I'm looking at for sure, because that's how I see upside come from that. We saw it with Darius Slade, but also just athleticism, I'm betting on athleticism. That's the time to bet on athleticism. It's the exact days you want to do it. These are lotto picks to the max like every draft picks a lottery pick pretty much besides chase whoever's getting chase young in this draft and you know i would say the same about simmons and a few of these other guys but most of these picks the vast majority are lottery picks there's a lot of busts but i'm gonna bet on athleticism and i'm gonna take lejarius sneed out of louisiana tech this is a guy who played a little bit of safety and a little bit of slot i think he's best fit to play slot cornerback nickel cornerback in the nfl listen to these numbers nick Six foot, 192 pounds, so he's not huge, whatever. 437, 40 yard dash, 96 percentile, 41 inch vert, 94th percentile, 131 inch broad jump, 93rd percentile. He is a freakish athlete, and I think he would be awesome. He would actually have good length in the slot. He doesn't have great length at safety, but he'd have good length in the slot. And I'm betting on I'm betting on a play, on a talent like this when I'm picking on day three.
2: That's what you want to do. You want to bet on those kind of talents and as a coaching staff and especially the Giants, they really kind of talked about and alluded to the fact that they're teachers. You bring in somebody with all the traits now it's your job as a coach to teach right. them. So I think the Giants would be looking for those kind of projects. We've seen the Patriots draft those kind of projects before in the past, and some of them definitely did not work out. But I think that's a very smart move. And I have my last edge on this list. And this one's probably the best one of the three and will probably go before both Willickis and Tuska. And that's Travis Gibson out of Tulsa. So I finally got around to his tape. He's a bigger guy. He's about 265 pounds for an edge, but he's not exactly – excellent i guess you could say at getting off blocks so i think he's relatively raw and uh he's his hands aren't always active but when i saw his hands be active he has popped to him so he just needs to kind of utilize them a little bit better and at the combine he went in he just did the bench press when it comes to drills and it was 49th percentile with 25 reps but he has long arms man i mean he, he has 66 percentile arms so just under 34 inches and again he's 261 pounds was what he weighed in at the combine so maybe he might fit a little bit better as that 4-3 base type of end but He had four sacks in 2018, eight sacks in 2019, 15 tackles for loss in 2019, and then nine tackles for loss in 2018. Those are just his numbers, so he's not overly productive. But when you turn the tape on, you see that explosive first step, second step, third step, has lower body strength, has lower body flexion. And I think those kind of things, along with just his body type and his build, are going to really turn teams on. To him. And I've seen his name uh, pop up here and there, which kind of made me go to his tape. But I think uh, he's a guy who has the size and the length that the NFL covets. And I think he could be a, a solid addition, especially late because this edge group isn't exactly that deep. And I think he could be somebody that they could bring in and um, could really help a team.
1: Yeah, I really like this call, Nick, because he's not like your prototypical. Uh, edge from a size standpoint, six three, two sixty one. 261, But you look at the arm and he's got the arm length to make up for maybe just six foot three in height. And obviously I don't feel like he's going to be a day one starter or something like that, but that's not what you want on day three of the draft. And I think his backstory is pretty cool too. He has a really, he comes from an athletic family. His mom uh, ran track at North Texas. His dad played basketball at Austin at Texas. His brother plays professionally basketball in Finland and he, Literally, after coming—he didn't have any offers from any Big 12 schools besides Tulsa. And when he got onto the campus in three years, he added more than 50 pounds to his frame in just three years. So he's completely kind of changed his frame. And yet he has the production. He's obviously raw. But he, to me, I don't know if he'll definitely be there on day four. But I could see it. I could see a slide—or, sorry, day three. But I could see a slide. And if he's there at 110, I could totally see the Giants taking a player like this at 110.
2: yeah. And it makes sense because the Giants have a need of edge or at least need to bring bodies there to compete. And hopefully they strike lightning in a bottle with the development of the guys that are currently on the roster. Hopefully Kyler Fackrell returns to 2018 and hopefully this rookie can be maximized if they bring somebody in. Yeah, no doubt. And for my next pick, I'm going to go ahead and go with a
1: player – who is near and dear to home? He played his football at Penn State. We're going with the defensive back here, and that is cornerback John Reed out of Penn State. I actually think he should be a slot at the NFL level. I don't think he has the deep speed to recover and play, you know, on the boundary there. But he's a really interesting prospect to me. He actually is going a bit against what I've been talking about. You want to target on day three with athleticism, and I don't think that I don't think it's you know an apples. Or I don't think it's a something you should no matter what stick to it's not that kind of plan it's not a tried and true plan sometimes you got to take players who you like for other reasons and for me it's the versatility he's played a lot of roles he's played the boundary in the slot even though i see him on the slot that just shows me he can play in a lot of different defenses coverage and it's really the fact that he's known as this film junkie that's kind of the you know he this is from uh from the pro football focus draft guide, I found this, and I and I stood out to me. Reed was drawn to the volume of football field, um, sorry, football film available even to high school players. Reed was studied as much as any uh, player that I've ever seen. So he's somebody who really studies the position and studies his opponents. And I think that's something that can be taken to the next level. I think he's somebody who – he's had, I think, twenty over 2,600 snaps since he started as a true freshman. So, like, obviously the best at Penn State was a little bit behind him. He had a major injury that side tracked his career a little bit there. But I think moving forward as we think about a player like this, he's someone who could – make that transition to the slot and be a really good slot player. I don't see him again doing too many other things, but as far as just a slot player goes, like think about this, Nick in the 20 in the 20 yard shuttle and the 10 yard split, which is what I think are pretty important times for a slot. He tested in the 95th percentile and the 89th percentile. So I don't think the athleticism certainly isn't there. And he also had a sick broad jump, 91st percentile there on the broad jump. So he's he's a good athlete he may not have the deep speed he ran a 449 which isn't great at 187 pounds and 5 foot 10 but just a pure slot I could see him being the answer there potentially like I like him more than somebody like Grant Haley an undrafted guy from Ben State they got recently to kind of put in the slot but I don't really see the same kind of twitch out a Grant Haley
2: exactly I've done a little bit of work on John Reed as well and I, I agree with your assessment of him I don't think he's. As bad of an athlete as some people try to kind of portray right. him to be, and I think he'd be a solid person to bring into the New York Giants right now, despite the fact that they have reportedly three players fighting for that. I think if you bring in someone like Reed or the player I'm about to go over, they could realistically win that job even year one. The player I'm about to go over, he didn't test athletic as athletically well as John Reed when it comes to the 20 and the uh, and everything that you just alluded to, but yeah, it's right. Dane yep. Jackson. Dane Jackson is a cornerback from Pitt. He's six foot, 187 pounds. He ran a 457, which I believe is going to push him down. And he does not have ideal arm length, 15th percentile at 30 and three 8 of an inch. So he doesn't necessarily look like an imposing figure, but man, he has some burst. And I got my notes right here in front of me because I watched a couple games of his last night. Very fluid, quick hips, really good positioning in man coverage, good and bail technique. And he has the hips to kind of do that when it comes to lining up the line of scrimmage, throwing a quick jam, turning his hips and just bailing back to the deep one third. He can do that really well. And I love the fact how he gets his eyes around to find the ball while it's in the air, which kind of prevents pass interferences but the one thing that's kind of ironic about that is he had a lot of pass interference penalties i want to say like eight in 2019 or at least defensive holding because he does get grabby and he will get grabby he's very very physical up a receiver's stem and throughout a receiver's break but he's a very aggressive tackler will go low i don't like his frame being 187 pounds i think that's just a little bit too slight but I think he has a lot of intriguing traits when it comes to uh, ability to locate the ball, uh, his aggressiveness in tackling, closing burst ability to stay in phase and his hips and foot speed. I just don't think he has the deep vertical speed and that's probably why you saw him run a 457 at the combine, but he's not somebody who is a huge liability either because he does have enough of those other athletic traits, hips and things like that. To kind of assist him with the uh the lack of deep speed. But four five seven, it's not a four-seven. You know, it's not great, it's not ideal right. whatsoever. It's twenty-fourth percentile. But I think Dane Jackson, that's a big reason why he'll be available on day three. And he played boundary at Pitt, but I think he's going to be more of a nickel in the NFL. And I think he can do that at a um at a, a solid rate. So I think that's a, a fun player to kind of watch on day three to see where he kind of ends up.
1: Yeah, for sure. And listen, one interesting note about the testing, by the way, the combine this year, as I saw from somebody on Twitter today, they, some teams are throwing it out altogether because of the way that the combine changed this year, where they had these late night, 10, 30 PM testing where the players already completely drained from the day and just, they don't are not putting as much weight on it. So for something like that, that, that you know, you never know who's going to fall into that bucket
2: there, a player who just didn't test well, but that's not who he is. Exactly, man. And his closing burst is something that didn't necessarily come up in the combine, but watch the game against UCF. The last play of the game, they try to hook and ladder the offense did. And all you see is Jackson just fly in and just nail the third guy on the pitch and just end the game right there to secure a win. So I just, I see that quick acceleration and I see that quick burst and those are things I want to see, but it didn't translate at the combine. So that's a really good point, Dan.
1: Yep. No doubt. Here's another guy who's on my sleeper list, Nick, and it's the first one we have at this entire position, which stinks because you want to have 70 sleepers who we like at this position, and that's Cameron Clark, the offensive tackle out of Charlotte. He's really caught my attention. I don't know if he has for sure the length and the size. He's six with five, two ninety four. I'm trying to get up his actual length numbers here uh, from the combine. I'm trying to find them real quick. Sorry, this is bad radio. Yeah. So obviously, like it wasn't. He wasn't ideal from the the combine testing standpoint, he had a five two nine forty, really pretty bad jumps, um, okay bench, okay ten yard split, but he did have super big hands, eleven inch hands, and he uses them really well in pass reduction. So he tested out six foot four three oh eight. He was listed at six foot five. He's not six foot five, but he has huge hands, solid arm length, and he, he uses them well. Um, and so the deal with him is he's more like he's a player who I think is is probably just someone who will be knocked because of the competition he played against and because of the potential for that length not to be able to translate to the next level. But as far as like actually offensive the playing the position goes, he's pretty damn good at the position and he moved up pretty fast because he really only had offers from Charlotte, Appalachian State, James Madison, ODU. Like he wasn't expected to be this really good prospect. He was listed, I think it says from 24-7 sports, my old company had him as the 242nd best offensive tackle in that high school Like, Just goes to show how low they were on a player like this. But he's really improved a lot at the actual position of offensive tackle. And to me, there's some value in that late in the draft, especially at a position so you know hard to locate late-round talent.
2: I haven't seen him, obviously. I haven't okay. got my eyes on his tape, but I do right. think that's a good, wise investment if they— Happen to see some traits that uh, translate because he does have some of those characteristics you just went over. But uh, yeah, I, I can't weigh in on it just because I haven't seen his tape. Yeah, so with little... Jordan Reed about him because he has a he's got his. We I, I've been meaning to follow
1: up with him about getting that draft uh, guide so I can read it actually within the next two days because he usually has the good fun facts on these guys too. And I want and I know he mentioned Clark too as somebody who caught his attention. So I'd like to hear his take on that. But definitely, if you're looking for those late round tackles, there's a few you know slim picks there so trying to find something there that the giants fans can maybe get excited about
2: exactly man and uh somebody i've seen a little bit of tape on is uh reggie robinson the second i've wrote about him for big blue view okay. a couple times he went to tulsa well goes down to the combine man he's six foot one 205 pounds 31 and a half inch arms which is solid not ideal but it's solid and he runs a 444 which is okay but he had over an 11, I want to say an 11 foot on the dot broad jump. That's 95th percentile. Now, that shows a lot of lower body explosiveness, and it kind of translates to what you see on the tape. And he opened a lot of eyes at the NFL PA Bowl. No one really pays attention to Tulsa football too much. And I have two of these sleepers on my list here. Yeah. He two Tulsa boys. The Tulsa, the Golden Hurricane, man. They're coming out. But he was a ball hawk, man. I mean, he had 34 passes defensed and three interceptions. So he didn't secure a lot of them, but he was able to get to the Catch point and be physical at the catch point which is something that I saw several times on the tape that I was able to get my hands on I think he's gonna be a solid boundary corner in the league or someone who could compete to be I'm not sure if he has the upside to start quite yet but he's gonna be an excellent special teamer because he's somebody who's a physical tackler has a long wingspan and uh, brings a lot of physicality when covering at the line of scrimmage and when it comes to tackling and just being able to do that and run support. So I kind of like Reggie Robbins. I don't think he's overly fluid in the hips. He like kind of like Lamar Jackson, who's another um, sleeper, I would say in this yeah. draft, not obviously not the Lamar Jackson everybody else knows, but he is a cornerback from, yeah, from Nebraska. He's kind of bigger corner who's not as fluid in the hips, but could come in and be a solid coverage guy, just not somebody that you really want to trust out on an island, uh, giving like, you know, Tyreek Hill a two-way go or something like that.
1: But one too, pretty good length. Like interesting player. Interesting player for sure. I'm actually gonna stick with the defensive backs here. And go with a player who so many draft analysts love, literally anyone who watches him love. You would think that he's a lock day one, day two pick, even, but I've seen it happen way too many times. His size is going to make him a day three pick. I'm very sure of it. And he will be on the board at 110, and he might just be the best player on the Giants board at 110 if they're okay with taking a player who can probably only play the slot. Now, when you're drafting a cornerback, you're hoping maybe he can be a boundary for you at some point. I don't think this guy can be a boundary. I think he's locked into only slot, but I think he could be one of the best slot corners in the NFL at some point if he reaches his peak. And that's Amik Robertson out of Louisiana Tech. Everyone who studied the draft has heard about, read about, or watched Amik Robertson. He's five foot nine and 180 out a Louisiana Tech. Small school, bad competition, bad size. I get it. But when you watch him... He looks like one of the better cornerbacks in the entire draft. He's unbelievably physical. He's consistently making plays on the ball. I mean, I think he had something like 11 pass defenses and four INTs is his his second to last year. And then he had 17 pass defenses and five interceptions in 2019. So combined, he had nine interceptions and 28 pass defenses over the last two years. Those are production numbers you don't see from any cornerback in this class. A lot of people believe if he had the prototypical size and played at a big school, he'd be the number 1 corner in this class. I don't know if he'd be better in the kuna in some people's eyes, he's probably not as technically sound, but he is awesome. He plays huge, he's super physical, he continues to make plays on balls every single time you can watch him. I love this kid, and if he's on the board at 110, I don't care that he can only be a slot. Give me the best, you know, give me the best option to improve a position on day 4. Or I'm sorry, on day 3 and round 4. And I'll take it. And I think that's their best chance they'll have to improve a key position right away, taking a player like that.
2: I want to say it was a Meek Robertson where I was watching uh, LA Tech against, um, against Texas, and he was covering Colin Johnson, who's a six foot five receiver, yeah. and he's lined up on the line of scrimmage and he is pressing him pressing him like it's nobody's business he is not afraid of anything i love that call and dude i might disagree with you i don't think he's going to be available at 110
1: no one does but i've seen this happen dude so many times where you know his tape's awesome he's an unreal player but when you're 5 8 and 180 pounds it just don't see it happening i just don't see him get maybe late day two but otherwise i see i see day three
2: yeah, I can't argue with that, but you are right about his traits, man. He, <laughs> he is he has aggressive, he is physical, he has a nose for the football, yeah. he's not afraid to tackle. He has so many good things he's working on him. He's got it all. He he's just literally
1: sports. every trait but size and and produ- and obviously production against a big school, right?
2: And, yeah. I mean, and but even then though, the Texas game, he looked yeah. he, I mean, from what I saw, he seemed like a very competent receiver and he was sitting there checking a draft eligible receiver very well, someone right. who really was outside, But you're right, he's going to be a nickelback. He's not going to be somebody who's going to be playing boundary. So um, one of my last guys, or my last guy right now, is uh, Julian Blackman, who's a safety from Utah. Now, I watched two games of his yesterday because I've always kind of uh, – I've watched a little bit of him through the process because Utah has so many defensive prospects. So I've caught him here and there. Right. And yesterday I watched the full Oregon game and then the full USC game. I tell you, if you watch that USC game, you're Mm. going to think Julian Blackman is the worst because Michael Pittman (laughs) Jr. lost him several
1: times. I was literally just going to ask you, Nick. I, I don't want to cut you off, but I have to because I needed to ask you, and you got there first. Have you seen Michael Pittman versus Utah, that tape? Because if not, uh, one of the draft analysts, Brad Kelly, by the way, those of you interested, is putting up a lot of All Twenty Two content on YouTube, which is sick. It's like a, literally a dream come true for people like me and Nick. It's All Twenty Two cutups of like all Pittman's targets or like receivers' targets. He put up his tape against Utah, which by the way is going to have a first round cornerback probably if Jalen Johnson goes like I expect, uh, a third round safety who we love who probably should be a second rounder, was we'll probably go third and Burgess who we've talked about and now Blackman who Nick really likes as a late round guy. Um, three potential NFL players in that secondary. And Michael Pittman literally, I, I excuse my language, bitched them and just looked fucking unreal in that game. Michael Pittman against Utah is some of the best I've seen of any receiver in this class. And this dude's not even going to go anywhere near round one, which is just so crazy to me. It shows how deep this receiver class is. But go on. Talk about Blackman and, and use that caveat because that game was, was definitely one that stood out to me as well. I think Pittman's going to end up being a second round pick kind of dude. No, yeah, of course. But I'm saying, yeah, like, yeah, crazy. Me, yeah. He's not round one. I think he's a round one guy in every other draft, dude. He's six foot four, two thirty. Ran a fine five, four, five one for someone that size, and is just awesome on tape. Like, there's just no,
2: I don't see the negative. Just looking at him at the Senior Bowl, dude. He looked like a different breed. Like he was big, and like he, the muscles just popped off the Like yeah. he was, he was, he was very interesting just to see in person. It's a Mike but, Evans type. The thing about Blackman, man, there are some things that really turn me off about him, but I wanted to kind of bring up his name because he has experience playing single high, and he shows some range. I saw some indecisiveness on his tape uh, coming downhill sometimes, and even uh, with his range, I didn't have any access to the All-22, so it's kind of hard to see like the back end from the broadcast uh, angle, but... And obviously the Michael Pittman Jr. thing really turned you off. And one thing I really don't like is the fact that he's 187 pounds at safety. He needs to eat a couple ham sandwiches, for sure. But I did like how physical he was as a tackler. He will come downhill and try to hit you very hard, even though he's not the biggest guy. And he does have solid... I would say solid range. It's not great, but he has the experience playing the single high, so I think there's something to take away from that and just someone to pay attention to later in the draft yeah. for sure. And we're not talking about anywhere near date. We're talking about the sixth, the seventh round, and I think he could be a solid player to kind of fill that role and compete for that role uh, as a single high safety for the New York Giants.
1: I like it. 485 snaps, according to Pro Football Focus, in the deep half last year. Converted from cornerback earlier in his career. Has some positional flexibility. Exactly. Definitely a late round guy that they should be interested in. I got a couple more. I know those was your last one. I'll throw out a couple more here. Start with my boy. <laughs> I can't believe it, Nick. Somehow, some way I found a way to add another Wisconsin Badger to this podcast. It's just unbelievable stuff. I can't believe it. I can't believe there's this many badgers I love in this draft. This is probably the the bit from a value standpoint. This is my favorite badger draft class ever, and that's Chris Orr, the linebacker out of Wisconsin. Is it possible that at bat that I'm sorry his ceiling will be an unreal special teamer? Yes, but by the way, I'd be fine with that on day three in rounds five, six, seven. But dude, this is just a guy. When you go back and try to watch Bond, like, do you not always see or flying around the football too? He is always around the football any badger fan you talk to knows about chris Orr. and that's because even the layman fan or anyone who just watches the team casually can see when a guy's always around the football like chris Orr is comes from that same badger program the giants seem to like at the linebacker position uh given their interest in the pre-draft and zach bond drafting ryan Connolly, and so Chris, Orr, to me, obviously doesn't have a lot of hype He's pr- not been talked about on many people's sleeper lists and he's a badger. So again, I'm going to be accused of some bias here. I get it, but he's another guy for me that I would just love to take in round six, seven.
2: Yeah, I've watched several uh, Wisconsin defensive tape to like look at Bond, and I think I texted you back in like January. I was like, "Yo, who's this Chris yep. Orr guy?" Yeah. We had a little back up. You're like, "Yeah, he's a solid – but I think you said it. he'll be a solid special teamer. And I was like, "Oh, cool." I don't know like athletically uh, how like how do you value his athletic. Yeah, exactly. But he he was all around the football, and he was a physical tackler too. So I, I he definitely caught my eye. I actually have another guy I wanted to go over another edge prospect. Yeah, he's he's, he's a more mercurial uh, case because he was at Virginia Tech. His name's Trayvon Hill, and he ended up uh, going to Miami. But he was at Virginia Tech, and him and the coaching staff just weren't getting along, and it turned into like a social media thing where he was just trashing the crap out of the Virginia Tech coaching staff. So I don't think that's going to really, uh, really, um. Lead to a draft selection for the New York Giants, but he could be an undrafted free agent. I think he has some intriguing tools as well. I think he can—he's like a five technique, more like along that kind of build. But like he really seemed to have good change of direction when it comes to him being utilized on stunts and twists. And I remember uh, Sam Hubbard coming out of Ohio State a couple oh, years yeah. ago. Uh, I loved him coming out because of his ability to change direction and he's had a solid NFL career by, uh, but he's on the Bengals right now. So you can't really uh, take away too much from that. But, uh, it ended up coming out in his three cone too. Cause Sam Hubbard's three cone was ridiculous. And I remember being like, Oh, that's cool. Cause I remember seeing it on tape and with Hill, it seemed like he had a, a little bit of that. I didn't do as much work on Miami's defense as I would have liked to. But I know a lot of people were talking about him when he transferred to Virginia Tech, so he's a name a lot of people in the draft community kind of know. I just don't know where he's going to end up being drafted. I just think he has a uh, pretty solid burst and change of direction skills and can get up the arc and has a couple moves that he uses up the arc, and he's strong at the point of attack as well. So I think that... Uh, I think he could get stronger, I guess, against the run, but he's strong when it comes to rushing the passer because of his lower body burst. So I think he's an interesting player just to kind of monitor late on day three. Maybe the Giants will use one of the seventh on them. So
1: I got another day three guy, my
2: final one. And
1: again, banking on a few things here, athleticism, translating to the next level, positional importance and need and underutilization and or still learning the position. And that would be Davion Taylor, the linebacker out of Colorado. Taylor's a guy, Juco transfer, has not really played the linebacker position very long, but when you see the clips of him, he's so freaking explosive. And like the upside for a player like that, especially in coverage, running down the seam, something the Giants just haven't had at that linebacker position is incredible. Six foot, 228 pounds, but ran a 4.49. That's 95th percentile for all linebackers with a really good three cone time and a 94th percentile broad jump. He's got explosion, agility, speed. Flashed in coverage, obviously, it's not fully there. He's learning the position of linebacker, hasn't played it much. That's what I want on day three. That's the exact type of prospect I want on day three. He's someone who I will certainly be happy if the Giants draft. And if you look on mock Draftable, by the way, his closest comparison from an athletic standpoint is Patrick Queen. Like, and he's also has comparisons to Eric Kendricks, Mike oh, sorry, Matt Milano. These are three of like the better like, M- Milano and Kendricks are awesome linebackers. like, He's he's got the upside, I think, to be just an absolute steal for the Giants.
2: Yeah, he could be a really good will linebacker. He's just really raw right now. Yeah, yeah. That's his only thing. But put him in on special teams, have him develop, have him learn, because he didn't like you say, he didn't play football up until like college because of religious reasons. So there's a lot of room for growth. And those athletic traits are really intriguing. He has the size, too. So I really love that call.
1: No doubt. All right, guys, that is all the sleepers we have for today. That's a lot of sleepers. So run it back. Check out their tape. Research a little into these players. We named every sleeper we got well over 10 double-digit sleepers. We gave you the school. Hopefully you guys can take it from there. Uh, These are guys we want to be on the board. These are guys we want the Giants to target on day three. Again, thank you all for your continued support of the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. We appreciate everyone who has subscribed, everyone who has downloaded. That's the key. To our growth, you're helping us grow. And more importantly, we also appreciate the people who take the time out of their day to rate and review us on iTunes. So I want to give a thanks to Parcells, who recently gave us a really nice review. He says, for a thinking Giants fan, if you're a big Giants fan who wants to become smarter about your team, this is the podcast for you. Dan and Nick dive deeper than any other Giants podcast. I feel like I learned something every listen. Thank you, Parcells. I appreciate that. And thank you, Kells, for the show or Kel's for show. He says, Dan and Nick, she says, it's it's a she or he, I'm not quite sure based on that name. Kelly is always, you can go back and forth on, I have a couple friends, one, a couple of interesting. my life. Yeah, a couple Kelly's in my life. One's a good friend of mine. He's a dude. The other is a chick. So Dan and Nick are the best point, are the best point blank period. Thank you, Kel's. Uh, I check daily for new episodes. And when I see that there's a new one, it makes my day. Keep up the good work. So thank you all for taking the time to do that. And we'll be back shortly. This is our drive to the draft. We're going to be back soon to go over the first round of the nfl draft and Woo. the giants took and that's coming shortly so get excited it's almost here
3: everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium